Most religions share a belief that the body and spirit coexist until the body has perished and the spirit moves on into the afterlife. However, there are those that remain. Some stay with a purpose. Some are doomed to relive their own violent deaths. These spirits are one of the oldest aspects associated with Halloween. For generations to come, people will still gather around the campfire to tell the stories of ghosts. Welcome to 13 Degrees of Screams, where we watch and dissect your favorite spooky movies. I'm your host, Alex. And Stephanie. And this is a mostly horror podcast. Each season, we will rank 13 movies on a scariness scale from, you guessed it, 1 to 13. We will uncover the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies and tell you just how authentic they are. This week, we travel to Allerdale Hall with Crimson Peak. So, Stephanie. Yes. Have you seen Crimson Peak before we watched it for the podcast? I did, actually. I saw it in theaters. Oh, did you really? Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun time. Nice. I only saw it one time when it first came out, but at home. Oh. It was the only time I've ever seen it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't like, let me run out and watch that again, but I liked it in theaters. Is that the only time you've seen it? Yeah. Oh, really? Just the one time, too? Yeah. And you made it seem like you really, really liked this movie when we were deciding on movies to watch. You're like, Crimson Peak! Oh, I mean, it's just a good idea, honestly. <laughs> just, I, I really, like, congratulate myself on good ideas about myself on the back the whole time. Like, yep, I got it. <laughs> oh, interesting. You seem so adamant about Crimson Peak. I'm just ghost. Oh, I mean, it was very ghosty. You rated this as 12 on the scary scale. It can be a little bit before you know what's going on. I mean, even when you do know what's going on, it it's still little. scary. Mm-hmm. I had it as 10. I did see it, like I said, but I want to be honest with you. When I first saw it, I was a little bored. Really? I was. I think this movie's like 20 minutes too long. I can see that. It's just like a little bloated, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, a little. They could have cut some scenes in the beginning, I think, to save on some time. Yeah, I think, well, even the middle section, I'm like, this is a little like, she's scared, she sleeps. She's scared. What's going on? She's scared, she sleeps. Yeah. Well, Edith, I think, is just not a very good main character. Really? I don't like her. Oh, snap. Interesting. Yeah, she's not very bright. I pointed out when I tell the plot. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll get into the plot. But before we do that, yes, we will talk about the movie background. So, Crimson Peak is a 2015 gothic romantic film directed by Guillermo del Toro. And it was written by del Toro and Matthew Robbins. I really like Guillermo del Toro. Do you like him? I do. It's definitely very pretty to look at. Oh, yeah. All his movies, whether or not they're good per se, they're at least visually stunning. Yes. So this the movie, colors really pop, everything. Yeah. This movie uses red in a really good way, and I, we'll talk about it later, but especially the movie poster, mm-hmm. it, it looks like a 3D image. Yeah, you know except in red, though. Against a blue background. Yeah. I don't know. That struck me about this. Yes. The movie stars Mia Wasikowska. Oh. She's the main character. The only other thing I know her from was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. The remake. The Looking Glass one. Yeah. I only ever saw the first one. Yeah. I think I only saw the first one, too. I mean, Alice in Wonderland was never my favorite anyway. Really? Yeah, no. I really like Alice in Wonderland. But Tom Hiddleston, who is Loki and... Obviously, Abby. Marvel and Jessica Chastain, who is terrible. Yes, in this movie, like acting wise, good, 
but terrible. No, she she bad. The story is set in Edwardian-era England and follows an aspiring author who travels to a remote Gothic mansion in the English hills. Another period piece. We just did... The others, the too. Others, yeah. That was not as old as Crimson Peak, right? No, definitely not. That was in the 40s. Yeah. So, this is older. Yes. Significantly. So, the film is described as a ghost story and gothic romance, heavily inspired by other horror films such as The Haunting, The Innocence, which I've never seen, actually, and The Shining, which I don't see at all. You don't see The Shining in it at all? No, do you? Except the snow and the remote location. A little bit with the sister. Okay. I think that's a stretch, but I'll give it to you. So, Crimson Peak premiered at Fantastic Fest on September 25th in 2015 and was released in the United States on October 16th of the same year in standard and IMAX formats. The film received generally positive reviews from critics, with many praising the production values, performances, and direction, but criticized the plot and characters. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair. (laughs) Despite this, it performed poorly at the box office, only grossing about $74 worldwide on a budget of $55 So That is surprising to me because... I know, for instance, like, our friend Matt saw it, like, four times. Oh, he really liked it? Yeah, he he liked it a lot when it was in theaters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And he usually has good movie opinions, aside from yeah. Aquaman being his foil, but... <laughs> he likes Aquaman? Yes. Interesting. It's weird, because, like, I generally like really slow burn movies. Like, The Witch is one of my favorite movies. Like, that is the slowest... The slow reveals. <laughs> yeah, just a very slow burn. But this, I don't know. It's just kind of boring to me, but... Whatever. It was beautiful to look at, like we said. So there's a quote from Stephen King about the movie. He oh. called the film gorgeous and just fucking terrifying. Which is shocking to me because it's This is the guy, yeah, that wrote it. Like what? I don't know. I feel like it wasn't that Honestly though, before I knew like the purpose behind the ghost and stuff, they are a little creepy and stuff. They're not your typical Ghosts that look like the people that they were, or even like a Casper or anything. It's, They're very stylized. Yes. It's definitely going for something. Yeah, for sure. The ironic thing, though, I wanted to point out with the ghosts, though, is that it's funny that The Others was classified as a Spanish film, when you could almost say that the way, especially the mother ghost, are dressed with like their ghosts looking like skeletons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You could almost argue that they look kind of Day of the Dead-ish. You think so? A little bit. I didn't think, I didn't get that. But maybe now if I go back and take a look. That it, was not my initial thought at all. I mean, not like the main ones at the house, but the mother specifically. Are you ready to delve into the plot? Yes. So the movie starts off in 1887 Buffalo, New York. And we see American heiress Edith Cushing, daughter of wealthy businessman Carter Cushing, attending her mother's funeral. This scene is followed by Edith being visited by the ghost of her mother, who tells her, My child, when the time comes, beware of Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. And she, like, spoons her in the bed, and um, and she is not a comforting ghost, in my opinion, at all. None of these ghosts are. They are very ominous. For, like, no reason. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the gray fingies come in oh, over the region. Oh, the gray fingies. Yeah, she's, like, touching her. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. Mom, what are you doing? Mom. Stop it. We never spooned before. Why do you think it's okay? Just because you're dead. <laughs> Spooning. Only okay when you're dead. That's our new tagline. And you have no eyes. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe that's why she was spooning. She couldn't see nothing. Yeah. Right. No, like, she just climbs into bed with her and... 
let's just discuss what this ghost looks like too. Like she is just like blackish gray, large skeletal looking thing. Decrepit. And she's like creeping down the hallway at her and stuff like that. It's not like a comforting like, oh, my mommy is here. (laughs) None of these ghosts that we'll talk about later are comforting in the slightest, even though, spoiler, their intentions are good. Right. I feel like if you're trying to convince me to not do something, like I think maybe scaring you is a tactic or you could just tell me not to do that. Yeah. Like you don't got to be like cryptic and scary. Like just tell me why. Like Right. Explain to me step by step why Crimson Peak is bad. Right. And don't surprise me. Just be like, hey, hey, hey. I know I'm scary. Yeah. I look like shit right now. (laughs) It hasn't been a good time for me. I'm fucking (laughs) dead. Let me tell you what's going on. (laughs) Right. No. She's like, beware, crimson peak. I'm like, mother, please. So we jump 14 years later, and now Edith is an aspiring author and is trying to publish a book, but is overlooked because she's a woman. The patriarchy. Yes. Heavy in this. And she's advised to add a love story, which she loathes. Those entirely. <laughs> yes. So she sets to creating a revision and starts typing it on a typewriter, much to her father's chagrin, as he had just bought her an expensive new pen to write with. But she doesn't want her delicate feminine handwriting to be identified. <laughs> ah, yes. So meanwhile, Edith meets Baronet Thomas Sharp, who is in town to try to drum up investors for a digging machine to harvest red clay from his family's land. I guess you can use it as, like, a building material, like bricks or something. That's so right. I, I didn't really get the selling point of the clay. No, it's just like, I want some red clay. Let me dig that up. I don't know. I was like, is this, like, a tie-in to the movie Ghost? Like, it's just going to cut to a pottery class after this? <laughs> I'm fully convinced the only reason they got came up with red clay was to make the snow red later the in the imagery, movie. yeah. But like, how can we make this red? I mean, honestly, Yay. going in, I thought Crimson Peak blood. Blood for sure. Right. That would have been cooler. Yeah. No, we got clay. We're just harvesting blood down here. <laughs> no. It's red clay. <laughs> it could have been so much cooler if it was blood. But yes. it is not, unfortunately. Yes. So he's in town to drum up investors for the digging machine to harvest this red clay from his family's land. But Mr. Cushing, her father, is very suspicious of him because he seems like a charlatan traveling around to multiple countries with his sister Lucille trying to get investors. They're not American. That's why. Oh, yes. And and he also says he has delicate hands, so you can't trust him. No. <laughs> he hasn't done a day of work in his life. So that's a thing. Despite her father's disapproval, Thomas and Edith start courting, and Mr. Cushing retaliates by hiring a private detective to investigate the Sharp siblings. And when his search yields some unsavory facts that they won't tell us right away. It is pretty unsavory. (laughs) Mr. Cushing's bribes them to leave America and Thomas must thoroughly break Edith's heart. For like one scene and then the next scene it's like, JK. JK. We're good now. Yeah. So he really makes a big stink about it. Like it's a whole public affair that he breaks up with her and tells her she's a bad writer. and In front of everyone. He's like, your novel is... Hot garbage, Edith. Don't even think about it. I was only reading it to get in your pants kind of thing. Like, Hey, you know what? If that was the truth, it worked. Well, not yet. But it was getting there. (laughs) Right. So the next day, Edith and Thomas reconcile, like, almost immediately. Immediately. I'm like, Like, you don't see the suspicion here, too? Like, why all of a sudden it's okay for him to tell the truth? Right. Her dad's dead. Yeah. 
So they reconcile, and he explains his actions, and almost simultaneously, her father's found dead. Like, they claim that he fell and bashed his head in on a sink. So his head gets bashed in, but by somebody. They show a mysterious figure. Well, bam! And there's no way... His half his head's gone. Right. There's no way he fell and that happened. Right. There's no way he just like picked himself up and he's like, oh, better do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that's totally what happened. Half his face is missing because they have to. She has to identify the body. Which is just cruel, too, because they're like, no, no, it has to be her. And his doctor's there, and he's like, I've seen him before, and they're like, no, it has to be her. Yeah. As his doctor, I've probably seen more of this man than she has. Right. No. The daughter. (laughs) Scar her. (laughs) Traumatize her, please. (laughs) But it does raise some suspicions, with the doctor at least, but it's all kind of shoved under the rug. Like immediately. So here's the thing. If Thomas was going to break up with her mm-hmm. and his father was going to die the next day, like don't make that public because like you said, it raises so much suspicion. But nobody cares. I'm like, I could would have connected those dots immediately. immediately. Right. And they're like, oh, it happens. <laughs> I guess in that period, people's faces got bashed in on a regular basis. Yeah. Father has a hole in his head. Get your heart broken. Yeah, you get your heart broken and made up with immediately. That's a common As soon as he's gone. I don't know. Yeah, these people. Okay. And just to specify, too, this doctor is actually Edith's childhood friend named Dr. Alan McMichael. Anyway, a few months later, and Edith and Thomas arrive at Allerdale Hall, and she's now married because we see the ring that Thomas took from Lucille. I don't know why. And the Sharps Mansion is in a state of disrepair with red clay literally seeping from the walls. And this house, like, doesn't have a roof. Like, it's snowing inside. There's a (laughs) big-ass hole at the top. And they're just living here. Like, this is not fit for anyone to live in. It's almost a state of condemned, honestly. Yeah, and I, I get they need the money, but also, like, go rent yourself a flat somewhere. Right. I don't know. It I is... actually talked to Matt about it because we watched it again with him mm-hmm. when we we watched it for the show. And I was like, I don't know. Like, this is their estate. You know, they have enough money to travel and drum up investors and stuff like that. And he's like, it was probably just all that they had yeah. to get this oh, invention yeah. going. And yeah, I know they have, like, no money. But, like, get out because that's about to fall apart if you sneeze right. on it. But it is very cool looking. It is, but just, like... The cleanup alone with, like, the red clay seeping from the walls in the kitchen. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm surprised they're not drowning in it. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine drowning in clay, though? Icky. That would be terrible. Also, so heavy. Yeah. Like quicksand. Although, so, I guess I don't know much about clay. But it's seeping up through the ground. Is it, like, liquid enough to do that? Really? Or is it because it's sinking in and it's, like, pushing through the cracks? I guess so. Like, that's what it was described as, too. Like, it's literally, like, sinking into it. Which, I don't even know how they've managed to live in the house for all these years, too. For however long they've been doing it. That it's not, like, partially underground at this point. Yeah. Because they have a cellar, too. I would assume the cellar would be filled with it as well. Yeah, that if there's a cellar, that would have to be underground. Like, completely. Completely engulfed in it, honestly. Yeah. The house doesn't make sense, honestly, of how it's actually running. Why would you build a house on top of a clay deposit? 
Like, you build your house elsewhere, and you come out there to do the work on it. Like, you buy that land. Right. They did not think this was... Honestly, they didn't know. Could you imagine building a huge house, lovely when it was first built, and it immediately starts sinking, and you're like, son of a... I just, I'm just built gonna, this. I'm going to blame it on the old times. They don't know. They don't know about science. <laughs> Clay and science. They don't know anything. Oh, man. It was the old days. Back in the old days, they didn't know what clay did. <laughs> they didn't know that if you build something heavy on clay, it would sink. <laughs> so, it's a thing. Also, casually in passing, Thomas just mentions that the estate is actually referred to Crimson Peak because of the red clay seeping through the snow. He just like, eh? And, and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> Were you kidding me? Did you just call it Crimson Peak? Crimson Peak. The name of the movie? Uh-oh. <laughs> And as soon as Edith arrives, Thomas's sister Lucille is there to greet her and offers her firethorn berry tea and continues pushing it in every scene thereafter. Listen, if someone offers you firethorn tea, does that sound like something you should be drinking? And Edith doesn't like it, and they all agree that it doesn't taste good, but they keep getting it. Like, oh, did you take poo-poo? Like, why? Right. Which part of fire or thorn Sounds, sounds appealing. good to you. The thorn mm. or the fire. Please, I'd love to know. No. That sounds no good. No. So I guess either just takes it to be polite, but she is like every room of the house. She's like, have you drank the tea? Like <laughs> She's taking like a chance. She's like, welcome. Thank you. So Thomas convinced Edith to put her father's fortune towards his machine and busies himself with getting it to run. So Edith and Lucille have like a lot of downtime together and... Lucille's like a little suggestive about Edith's relations with her brother and stuff mm. like that. She's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, have you have you done it yet? Have you, have you did the deed? <laughs> I need to know. Right. And Edith's like, no, he's been really gracious about my mourning and stuff. We traveled separately, so we haven't consummated the marriage. No canoodling. Right. So gradually, as like weeks or days pass, whichever long you think this is, <laughs> An undescript amount of time has yeah. has passed. Yeah, and Edith is becoming weak, and she's vomiting blood, and is plagued by, like, skeletal ghosts basically every time she's left alone. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about these ghosts because they are visually stunning. Yes. But also actually fairly scary. I didn't remember what they looked like before. But they, like, come out of the ground all crackly and... Yeah. And, and can, all like, red. All yeah, red. Completely red, like the clay color. Or blood. Or blood. We don't it's know. It's probably clay. Because, let's be honest, everything's about clay in this movie. And also, like, out of their eyes, there's, like, flowy... I'm just gonna call it blood. Because, I don't know, like, flowy blood, but it's floating upwards. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. One even has, like, a cleaver embedded in her skull. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just casually. Yeah, they're just, like, completely red, head to toe. Mm -hmm. And they are pursuing Edith at every corner. <laughs> Chasing her down the hallway. Yeah. Just trying to scare her. Right, leaning out of closet way. doors at her and <laughs> leering. <laughs> hey, Edith, what are you doing, girl? No, it's not like that. They're, like, screaming No, she feels her. like she's being attacked. So. It looks like she's being attacked, right? She does. So. so one ends up sort of leading her to a closet. Where she finds these wax phonograph cylinders in an upstairs closet. And then it chases her into the cellar where she finds a locked trunk with the name Enola on it. Which is alone backwards. Oh, that's, I didn't think about that. 
To get Edith out of isolation of the house and away from Lucille butting in with tea constantly, Thomas decides she should get some fresh air and they should go on a nice jaunt to the post office. You know how you love running errands. (laughs) Yeah, my favorite thing to do when I have some free time. Yeah. Run errands. Right. And there she receives a letter addressed to an E-sharp, so she assumes it's for her. Not a B-flat, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let myself up. Yeah, please do. Okay, bye. Bye. Have fun, Stephanie. <laughs> I'm the only host now. You're all stuck with me. No, Alex is still here. I'm here. Yes. They have to spend the night due to being snowed in all of a sudden, and they make love for the first time, and when they return, Lucille is, like, enraged by that fact. like. How could you have left me here alone? You slept together. Disgusting. Like, <laughs> How dare the two people who are married have sex? Yes. How could they do this? Right. So Lucille tries to act like, you know, everything's all calm and fine after this outburst. But Edith's still like, okay, she weird. And Edith later steals a key with a NOLA on it from Lucille and opens the trunk in the cellar to find multiple marriage license, including a NOLA Ciotti and a gramophone for the wax phonograph cylinders she found earlier. She then plays these cylinders out in the open, mind you, like, just, like, doesn't take them into the privacy of her room, goes and, like, plays them on, I don't know, like, their little... Player in the... In, like, their main living area. And it's out loud, and it's just saying, you know, that it's all part of their scheme, their plot, taking your money, and and there's poison in the tea. Don't drink the tea. And it's like, what No crap, first of all. (laughs) Right. Like, okay, Edith, as soon as you start drinking the tea, you start feeling bad, and you just continuously drink it over and over. That's all we see you doing. Right. When you're not being chased by ghosts, you're drinking tea. What do you think is making you sick, girl? Yes. Like, we hardly ever see them eat anything. Shocking. It's so just it's being poisoned. just tea. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't say. Yes. And so these little cylinders reveal that Thomas and Lucille have just been jumping from country to country, marrying Thomas off to whatever wealthy heiress they find to fund his inventions. And they poison them with tea once they've signed over their estates to the Sharps. Edith then goes like, Oh, I'll confront these murderers and tell them, like, I found out your plot to kill me. How dare you? And finds them in a rather compromising position. Yeah. Incestual relationships. Yeah. And Lucille just, like, goes and pushes her off a balcony. Like, just like, we're done with you now. Oh, yeah. No. Edith thinks that they're not siblings. Yeah. And then Lucille's like, oh, no, but we are. And then just yeets her off. <laughs> right. She's like, bye. And she falls hard. Like, she should not have like survived Like, several that. stories. And hits, like, the edge of... One of the banisters on the way down mm-hmm. break her fall a little yeah. bit. Meanwhile, back in America, Dr. Allen had learned of the sharp scheme and Lucille's time in a mental institution after the brutal murder of their mother... He Mm. goes to Allerdale Hall to rescue Edith and finds her right after she's been pushed. The Sharps then claim that she's delusional from being sick and just fell down several flights. And uh, it wasn't no, it wasn't just a fall. She got pushed. Like you can't just fall over a banister. Well, I guess you could, but that's not what happened. No, but Doctor Allen is just kind of like, uh huh, uh huh. Like, yeah, you you're scary. He already knows what happened. Right. So he's just kind of like tending to her wounds and tries to get her out of there, but. Lucille is ever always one step ahead and just stabs him and commands that Thomas finish him off. Mm-hmm. Thomas has had a change of heart, I guess, after seeing four women murdered at this point. Well, he said he actually loves Edith at this yes, point. So. Yes, yes. 
So he's actually fallen in love with Edith and fakes Alan's death with like a non-fatal wound and hides him in the cellar. Yeah, he's like, you're a doctor. Where should I put this? Like, mm-hmm. He's like, right here on the side and stabs him. Right. And it's clear, I guess, too, that Lucille is the one that does the dirty work, I guess. And Thomas is just kind of along for the ride <laughs> for the inventions and the money. Yeah, I don't think he's totally cool with it. And Lucille's like the mastermind behind the whole thing. Yeah. But- Gotta have someone to marry off. Although, why doesn't Lucille... Oh, no, never mind. That makes sense. I was gonna say, why doesn't Lucille marry a rich man? But she ain't gonna get the money if when they die. Mm, no, no. So, it's gotta be a woman, unfortunately. And then she wouldn't have the excuse to stay with her brother, either. The man probably wouldn't take her brother with her. That's true. Yeah, it's more common for a man to be taking care of his sister at that time. Yeah. So Lucille takes Edith to sign over her estate and just talks about all the murders she's committed. Like, just confesses to everything. Just casual conversation. Yeah, yeah, you like you do. So she confesses to the murders of Thomas's previous wives and admits that she did bear a child with him, but he was born wrong, quote unquote, and didn't survive much longer after that. Yeah, I think it's implied because, you know, relationships between... Siblings usually, well, I don't want to say usually, but bears children with defects, I guess. Health concerns. Yeah. So that's probably what happened. Yeah. So it's then implied that these are the ghosts that Edith's been seeing about the house, trying to warn her of her fate. Again, just talk it out. Like, we know that you can speak. Ridiculous. Stop being scary. (laughs) Yeah. Like, stop being so vague. Like, you could have, like, stopped this a long time ago if you were like, "Um, hey, Edith, I'm a previously murdered wife of Thomas's, you're next. So probably leave. That would have been, that would have sufficed. That would have been fine. Don't be crawling out of the wall, out of the floor, chasing her down the hallway, just screaming at her, not really saying much of anything. Right. Or even her mom. Her mom apparently is clairvoyant as well as dead. That makes no damn sense. (laughs) Right. Like, how does she know this was going to happen? But anyways. Lucille also tells her that she killed Edith's father, as well as her own mother, when she discovered her and Thomas's sexual relationship. Edith then stabs Lucille with her pen and runs away while Thomas comes in to burn the deed and beg Lucille to start a new life with Edith and him. Which I don't feel like Edith is on board at this point. Oh no, we're not going to just be like, oh yeah, this was fine. Yeah, Edith will be fine. <laughs> just like forgive and forget. That's not happening in this right. situation. Thomas is assuming a lot. <laughs> yeah, also Edith thinks, like besides the whole Lucille of it all, you think she's going to forgive you too? Although Edith does seem like the type that she probably would. Yeah, maybe. She might actually. She might have. Now that I say that out loud, knowing Edith's character, she might actually be like, you know what? It's fine. Yeah. So he slept with his sister. (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? Oh, yeah. This is fine. He's fine. He chose me over her, so. In the end. (laughs) But uh, I don't think the three of them are going to get along much after this situation. No, no, no. So Lucille is, like, devastated by that thought and just, like, stabs Thomas to death, like, in the face. Oh, my like, God. In the it, cheek. You can hear it, like, like go into his skull. Homeboy gets up, sits down, and proceeds to pull this out of his face. Yeah, the doctor did, too, when he got stabbed. Like, it's literally keeping all the blood inside your body yeah. at that point. You can't just... Pull them out. No, it's a little cork at that point. Yeah. However, in Thomas's case, that went through his head. So I don't think that's going to... He wasn't going to make it. No, it doesn't matter for him. But the other, the doctor, like, just keep that in your side for a little bit. I know you don't... It's uncomfy. Yeah, you don't particularly want a knife in your side. But if it's keeping you alive, just, like, leave it there for a little bit. Right. But Thomas pulls it out and then... Yeah, immediately keels over. He did. Yes. 
so then Lucille continues with her plot to kill Edith now and just pursues Edith through the house with a cleaver, the one I guess she killed her mother with. And they end up outside in front of Thomas's invention, and he reappears as a ghost, distracting her long enough for Edith to reach out and kill her with a shovel. With a shovel. Whacks Just like her. bats are on the head a couple of times. <laughs> Bonk. Twice. <laughs> yes. And she goes down. Right. And then Edith and Alan are then rescued by some villagers, and we cut back inside the house, and we see Lucille's ghost at the piano just... Plucking away because she played piano in life, and I guess she's just there now. But she looks different than the other ghost. She's not red. She's like she was like the mom, like yeah. like a blackish gray color, but still like a skeletal thing right. and with clothes. But the red ones weren't in clothes either. I don't think. I don't know. It was hard. They just looked like torn up skeleton. Yeah, I, was kind of, I think they. I don't know. It was hard to tell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she did with mm-hmm. Thomas in the home now. Yeah, and the end credits imply that Edith went on to write a novel based on her experiences called Crimson Peak. Yeah. I, just, I think this would be a cool book. Yes, actually, oh, for sure. Back then, if they read a book like this, they'd be terrified. Yeah, no, for sure. So, what did you think of it? I think I liked it more than I did the first time I watched it. However, I still think it was a little bloated in the middle, like I said. I did find myself looking at my phone a few times while mm-hmm. watching it. I was a little a little bored with it, but I think it was good. I, the ghosts were creepier than I remember, too. I, I was, oh, really? Yeah, I did. I, I remember the first time seeing it, I was like, they're cool looking, but they're just like, eh. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe because I was like really paying attention to them, mm-hmm. I noticed them a little bit more. Okay. I thought they were less scary. Really? The second time around. Yeah. I think it was also just because I remembered that they were mainly good, just weird. (laughs) Just weird and creepy. (laughs) Like me, good but weird. Yeah. (laughs) Just being creepy for funs. Yeah, that was the thing that annoyed me with these ghosts is like, they just were trying to be helpful. I get it. But you did a really bad job. Yeah. Like, terrible. Like, no idea of how to tell somebody that. Like, (laughs) Yeah, they don't know how to deliver news. Like, the closest one, I think, that seemed the most benevolent without, like, knowing the backstory was the one that was holding the baby. Because mm-hmm. she was, I guess, preoccupied otherwise, because she was holding the child of Thomas and Lucille. <laughs> but if she was not holding a baby, you'd best believe she'd be she, chasing she'd you. She'd be just like, yeah. Look at my fingers. I'm not going to eat you. Look at my fingies. <laughs> yeah. The fingies, not the fingies. The fingies are so long. <laughs> I don't know. These ghosts out of all the movies we watched so far were the most irritating to me. <laughs> It was just like once you find out who they are and what they're doing, like it kind of, I don't want to say it ruins it for me, but it's like, come on now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I kind of wanted a deeper backstory, I guess, for them or something like that, rather than just like one woman is there to represent them all, this Enola lady, but, and then we're just to assume that the rest of them are the same. Yeah, I feel like what they could have done is they could have made them less in your face, like chasey kind of way. Made them more mysterious, like she sees them down the hallway, like, walking, and she kind of follows them, and it's more, like, alluring as opposed to, like, I'm attacking you kind of a situation. Because then at least they don't seem malevolent. Yeah. Yeah, they just come across as so aggressive. Like, I get it, her life's at stake, but, you know, like, get your point across. Yeah. And not being, not mysterious, just, just vague. And it just seemed like they were there just for the scare factor. In the beginning of the movie... There's a phrase about the book, maybe, that she's telling. It's like, this is a story about go Or what did she say? Oh, yeah. She says the ghost in her book that she's writing are a metaphor. Mm-hmm. 
Because she says something like, there's ghosts in the story, but it's not a ghost story or something, remember? Oh, yeah. Well, I know she says something about there are ghosts, but it's not a ghost story. The ghosts are used as a metaphor, something like that. Like, something as, like, the ghost or symbolism for the past in her book. Yeah. Which is much like the actual movie. Like, right. there's ghosts, but they call it a gothic romance movie. So, do you consider this even, like, a horror movie? Like, it has scary moments. Yeah. I wouldn't also call it a romance, though. Like, no. maybe, like, the first 20 minutes when they're actually, like, getting to know each other and stuff like that. And she's in for the ruse at that mm-hmm. point. Because, like, the dance scene with the candle is sort of romantic, I guess. Because they do this whole, like, Thomas comes to teach them how to learn how to waltz at a party. Mm-hmm. And tells them, like, if it's careful and smooth enough, like, a little flame won't go out on a candle. And they hold it while they dance. and Yeah. That's sort of romantic, but I was also like, that flames out. Like, yeah, it's more, it's more of a tragedy. Yeah. I don't know, the ghosts aren't that prevalent. And right. when they are, they're just, like, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, get your point across. And then also, I can't say that... Thomas is a good, like, star-crossed lover in that kind of situation once he becomes incestuous with his sister. Like, yeah, that kind of... It kind of throws a wrench into it. Like, I know, because otherwise, if you took out that scene, I'd be, like, kind of okay with Thomas. Like, just, like, if it was only more one-sided, like, Lucille was always after Thomas, but he didn't give in, mm-hmm. then maybe I could see past it. And Thomas is more of a victim in this case. But he was right beside her, and... Really into it. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Maybe he wasn't really into it, and he just went along with it and like played along because he was afraid she'd kill him. Maybe. Because she would. Yeah, she did say at one point after she killed her mother that she went and hid the cleaver in the basement before they took her away to the asylum, and they took Thomas away to like a boarding school or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to bet that he wasn't super fond of it. <laughs> Maybe at first he was cool, and then, like, all this kind of unfolded, and he started to, like, realize, like, this is probably not good. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to excuse him, um, but we definitely shouldn't, because, you know, he went along with it, so. Yeah. He was just too compliant for the whole thing. Like, I understand he had a change of heart at the end, but he also did still murder some people. Along the way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. How do you feel about the ghosts in comparison, like, to all the other movies? Definitely the first and probably last that we'll see of ghost skeletons, I feel like. I don't feel like we've seen a lot of skeletal ghosts. The only one I could think of is in Ghostbusters when they unleash the ghost and there's that skeletal ghost in the taxi cab. Oh, yes, yes. And I think there's a brief moment of skeletal ghost in Haunted Mansion, or at least in the ride. Probably in the ride. Yeah, in the ride, I think, maybe you're thinking of the zombies. Those aren't ghosts. Those are just straight up zombies. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, I think these are going to be the most stylized ghosts we see. Yeah. Definitely not your typical description for a ghost. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they're still interesting, very creepy. That's why I think I rated it so high, at least because that's how I remembered them being creepy. Yeah. But, yeah. But once you find out their motive, it's it just takes it down quite a few pegs. Yeah, so on that note, you ranked this as 12. The second scariest, do you think that's going to drop? Yeah, most likely, honestly. <laughs> unless nothing jumps out at me as super scary. Yeah, I'm surprised you put it so high when I first saw your rankings. I mean, granted, I put it at 10, so it's still up there. And I don't know, it might stay for me. I guess it it just depends on what we see. But as far, so let me take a look. 
out of all the movies we watched so far, this is still the second scariest I put. Okay. Same with you, so. I just thought of one that might be scarier, but it's not because of the ghost. Oh, interesting. But I don't want to reveal it. Oh, yeah, no reveal. We'll talk about it when we get to that movie. Yes. Yeah, overall, I feel like this had the least amount of ghosts, right? Yeah. Not the least amount. Or least shown, like. Oh, yeah. You spend a lot more time time. with the main characters than they do with ghosts. They were afterthought. Well, not afterthought, but they weren't the main focus of this movie. Right. And also, I guess I didn't think about it in the first time I watched it, that Lucille and Thomas weren't seeing the ghost. Just Edith, really. Yeah, because they would not keep taking them to that place. Do you think the ghosts, like, haunted each of the wives, or? Well, I know that, I don't know how they managed to get it across to them, but that the letter that Edith gets in the mail is for Enola, not for her. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who found that out, that Enola was the next wife or whatever. Yeah. That's perplexing to me. I feel like that's like kind of like a hole in the plot that was cut out or something. Yeah. Or wasn't completed. Like I don't know. Well, she, I think she opens it because she probably thinks it's for her. Yeah. E, sure, e, they both right. start with E. But I don't know. I, I mean, something must have drove the one to record herself to tell the other ones that were what was going to go on. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming that was Enola that recorded herself because you don't know any of the other people by name, but at least not so much that they focus on it. Yeah. Random wife number five. Right. That, that's who recorded that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think overall, out of all the movies we watched, it just had the least amount of ghosts. I was just like, eh. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though. I think that's why I fought to include it so much. It gives a nice variety. Oh, yeah. 100%. Of different types. I think it's good to include movies that ha- deal with ghosts, but not... So much. Like, this is still in the realm of a ghost story, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a backseat to the plot of the people who are alive. Yeah. The ghosts kind of drive Edith to finding some of the things. Oh, definitely. Because Edith is not finding shit alone. She no. would have just drank that tea and died. <laughs> the end. Movie the over. End, yeah. Honestly, right. she could have been an origin story <laughs> for, like, the next movie for somebody that actually figures it out and is smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yeah. That would have been so disappointing if she just died and that was that. <laughs> and then the sequel is like the actual one who gets it, right? Yeah. Womp womp. That would be funny, but odd. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, giving us a five-star rating is super helpful and we definitely appreciate it. And you can find us on social media using 13 Degrees of Screams. This has been 13 Degrees of Screams and we will see you next creep. Don't be a sheep. What does that even mean, Stephanie? (laughs) What does that mean? You don't know. Oh my god.